welcome to this edition of Sound Teaching. One of my favorite scenes in all of the Bible takes place in Revelation chapters 4 and 5. It's one of the most stirring passages of Scripture found in the entire Bible. At the climax of this wonderful vision of John's, we see the entire creation bowing down to worship God Almighty. Revelation 5, 13 and 14. Every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth, and such as are in the sea and all that are in them, I heard saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power be to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. Then the four living creatures said, Amen. And the twenty-four elders fell down and worshipped him who lives forever and ever. Ten thousand times ten thousand, thousands of thousands gathered around the throne, declaring the worthiness of the Lamb of God to receive worship from all. Verse 12, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. We're told of their joy as they sang a new song. You are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals, for you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation and have made us kings and priests to our God and we shall reign on the earth. That's verses 9 and 10. Truly, this scene is as it should be, with all of creation gathered together in ecstasy, proclaiming the glad tidings of our Lord's sacrifice and His worthiness as the one to implement God's redemption of man. It's also a far cry from the present attitude that some express toward worship to God. Too often, apathy reigns. The proper grandeur and purpose of worship go unrecognized even by those who purport to be initiates in the faith. Well, such apathy expresses itself both in truancy and in the general demeanor of the indifferent member when he does occasionally grace the assembly with his presence. Worship has such potential to uplift the spirit and strengthen the faith of the petitioner, it's a shame that too few appreciate and take advantage of its blessings. In the infancy of the church, as the apostles and brethren lingered in Jerusalem, Luke recorded in Acts 2, 42 and 43, that they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers, and fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Worship to God at that time was central to their faith. It had a corollary effect upon their entire lives. And just a few verses later, 46 and 47, it is written, continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God, having favor with all the people. The Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. However, there are examples in the New Testament of Christians who did not fully appreciate the privilege of worship to God. The Corinthians, for example, they were admonished by Paul for turning their observance of the Lord's Supper into a common meal. 1 Corinthians 11.22, Paul said, What? Do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and shame those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I do not praise you. The Hebrew writer spoke of those who were in the habit of forsaking the assembly of the saints. In Hebrews 10.24 and 25, Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. 
And even the Lord himself dealt with the apathy of some as he called to repentance the Ephesians in Revelation 2 and 4. Remember, nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Or how about the brethren in Sardis? I know your works, that you have a name, that you are alive, but you are dead. And what about the Laodiceans? I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. Though it would seem that all Christians would enthusiastically embrace their opportunities to worship God, in reality, every generation struggles to be faithful in this aspect of their service to Him. Characteristically, those who have an indifferent attitude toward worship exhibit spiritual weakness in all areas of their lives. They struggle to overcome the enticements of the world, are often beaten down by the trials of life. They complain about how hard it is to live a life of righteousness, while they consistently neglect their opportunity to be strengthened by their brethren. They remind one of the recalcitrant child who, who refuses to eat the meal his mother has prepared and then with the next breath complains of being hungry. Individuals like this are spiritually immature. The collective worship of the local congregation is the means that God has given for us to encourage one another. This is the reason we are called to assemble. Remember that text from Hebrews 10:24, "Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works." In our worship, we have opportunity to be edified in song. For example, Ephesians 5:19 says that we're to speak to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in our heart to the Lord. We also have the opportunity to pray for one another. 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 4. Together, we proclaim the Lord's death till he comes when we partake of the Lord's Supper. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty six. We cheerfully give to facilitate the common work to be done. 1 Corinthians 16, 1 and 2. And, and finally, we're strengthened by a study of the word as indicated in Acts the 20th chapter in verse 7. These times of public worship allow us to heed the scribe's exhortation in Hebrews 12, 12 and 13 to strengthen the hands which hang down and the feeble knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be dislocated but rather be healed. Now, In my own experience, I can attest to the thrill of, of lifting my voice with that of so many others in joyous song to God. I can relate the profound gratitude that I have felt toward my brethren when they prayed publicly and specifically for my family and me. I felt an almost overwhelming sense of awe as I took the emblems of the supper with those of like precious faith. I have seen the good done in preaching and benevolence because of the generosity of Christians out of the treasury of the local church. I have thrilled to sit at the feet of so many preachers of the precious gospel. As any Christian would, I have been greatly encouraged by my communion with other Christians and our worship to God. Well, the edification of one another is a wonderful blessing that comes from our worship to God. Understand it is by no means the only one. The very fact that we can offer up our petitions to the Almighty brings great strength and an increased faith. Our prayers are heard by Him, and He is pleased with our sincere expressions of honor and praise. We are promised His presence in our midst, as Matthew eighteen twenty attests. God tells the righteous man, Psalm 91, 15, He shall call upon me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. For such worship to strengthen and edify, it must be that it is sincere 
and true. In John 4, 23 and 24, Jesus said, The hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Now, mere ritual, the innovations of men, that will not do. That kind of worship is vain worship. God expects those who worship him to be sincere in their petitions, which is indicated by the phrase in spirit, and also to worship in accord with his will, which is indicated in the call to worship in truth. Nothing less will appease God. Nothing less will bring the peace and strength that true worship affords the initiate. Man as a creature is designed to worship his creator. Our purpose on earth is to to serve him, as indicated by the writer in the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 12 and verses 13 and 14. The whole of man, his duty is to fear God and keep his commandments. If we do not take advantage of every opportunity, we miss out on so much. That's my prayer that all will read again Revelation chapters 4 and 5, that great scene of the throne room in heaven. Realize the great privilege that we have to worship the Almighty God in heaven. May we all have the same desire that was expressed by the psalmist in Psalm 27, 4. One thing I have desired of the Lord, and that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Thanks for listening to this edition of Sound Teaching. The Sound Teaching broadcast is brought to you by the Westside Church of Christ in Fort Worth, Texas. My name is Stan Cox, and I am the evangelist for this family of Christians. For more information about our congregation or to find much more material for your private study, please visit our website at soundteaching.org. That's soundteaching.org. Until next time, we pray God's blessings upon you.